Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy once again coming to you. Uh, we are now, uh, this is today, Sunday, March 29th, and we are now in our 11 consecutive podcast on our topic entitled that we've been, that we've named this podcast, the Coronavirus Passover 2020. And uh, it's been such a joy to, to come to you as we've been opening up the word the word of the Lord and and really examining and the Lord showing us some things and answering the questions that a lot of us have. And uh, today, this morning, I want to welcome all our listeners, wherever you find yourself and wherever uh, place in, in the country that you find yourself. We're so grateful that you could uh, tune in with us today. And it really is a blessing uh, to be able to come to you. Um, as we continue in our podcast, uh, the last three podcasts, we have been on the story of Lazarus. Um, this is a story that the Lord has uh, been opening up to us, uh, a lot of depth concerning what we can see, what took place in that story, what is taking place today. And what's, what's very unique about the story is that it took place right before Passover. And so what we believe is that the Holy Spirit has opened up this story to us in a prophetic manner to show us what is taking place today and listen to this and what is yet still yet to happen. So to those who heard uh, yesterday's podcast, towards the end of our podcast, we, when we got to verse 48, um, Brother Marty, we, uh, <clears throat> it seems there was a presence that came. It, it almost like if God was taking us to another level, uh, another dimension in, in this story. And this is where we're going to pick up our story uh, from today. And um, before I give it to Brother Marty, I just want to welcome uh, also our panel, Brother Fernando, uh, Brother Jeremiah, and Brother Marty. It's good to be with you, men of God. And this morning, greetings, greetings. as we, uh, you know, many people. Are, amen, amen. So let's take it from there, Brother Marty. I'll let you take it from here. And good to be with you. Amen. It's good to be with you all this morning on this. Sunday morning in the United States of America, where all the churches are shut, their doors are closed, which is probably the best thing that could be happening in the country right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that's a hard statement, but obviously God allowed them to be shut. Therefore, we have to, you know, take our our uh, our time and reflect about what it is that God is saying and what it is that God is doing, and that's. That is really, in essence, what God uh, did in moving our hearts to begin these podcasts now. How many days? 11 days ago? <clears throat> or 12? Yes. They are 12. Yeah. We, so we've been yeah. coming at you uh, 12 days in a row. I know you, all you brothers listening, uh, as we're recording right now, you were, you're a little too young to remember this, but uh, I don't even think you were born yet. Not even Jeremy, as old as he is. But uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> back <laughs> Back in 1975, I think it was, uh, they, uh, I think it was 75, if I, if I have my, my history right, the, uh, the Iranians uh, captured 50, I think it was 53, 58 uh, uh, Americans from the United States Embassy in, in Tehran, Iran, and uh, overthrew the, the Shah of Iran and replaced him with uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini. And... Uh, and 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 they were taken captive and they were held there or was it later yeah actually it was later i think it was like 1978 when that happened that's right because carter became president in 76 <clears throat> excuse me but in 78 they were taken captive and then it gave way to a new uh, president which was ronald reagan and on the day that he uh he was inaugurated they let the hostages go uh but i brought that up just as a side note to say that when the hostage crisis happened a, a whole new uh, news program took place uh called nightline i don't know if you ever remember nightline uh that was back yeah. in the day when we, we only had like three channels on tv right but <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. abc and nbc and cbs that was it right and and then your local channels right but um but Nightline began, and then every night they would give an update as to the status of the of the hostages, and that went on for like 400 and something days. So, I kind of feel like we're the spiritual Nightline right now. We just started a America was taken hostage about 12 days ago, um, put under quarantine or self isolation, whatever you want to talk about it. And a lot of people are wondering what's happening and what's going on. And the Lord moved on our hearts to begin these podcasts, and so we are in our 
12th day, America under judgment. Now, listen, <clears throat> we talked yesterday about and have been over the last several podcasts about the Lazarus effect, if you will. We talked about a sickness that came just before the Passover, the last Passover that the Lord would have before he would be crucified and raised from the dead. And that the Lazarus uh, effect is a prophetic metaphor for our times, if you will, if we're looking at it and seeing it with the eyes of the Spirit. Uh, a sickness came that took the life of Lazarus. And, and it's, it, we, were, we were reflecting on the fact that here we are just before Passover, just like in the time of Lazarus, uh, that a sickness has come that has gripped the whole world. And we talked about, and you, you need to go back and review those programs. Uh, I think it's podcast uh, 8, 9, and 10, or 11, 9, 10, and 11, somewhere in there. And and just to get all the, the gist of the background. So we've been following the story in a prophetic mode. And we came to through the story yesterday and arrived at the point where Jesus uh, comes and tells them to take away the stone. And he calls Lazarus forth with a loud voice. And we talked about that being uh, a foreshadow of the end time, that, that the Lord is speaking in a great and, and mighty voice for those who will listen, you know, those that will hear. Uh, that voice we talked about yesterday uh, was able to reach beyond something that had died. We talked about Lazarus, Mary, and Martha being a type of the remnant church at this time. And even, even if you will, that church that had once known great fellowship with the Lord uh, found itself without the Lord present, and as a result, the Lord, uh, mean, uh, the the church has has whittled and 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 basically uh, begun to die. You know, Mary and Martha were still alive, so it's it kind of speaks of a tiny little remnant that's still in existence, right? But but Lazarus died. And the Lord told Martha when he, she went out to see him, he said, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says, uh, if, if anyone believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so when what we talked about that was that what we believe is going to come out of this pandemic, out of this virus, for it will lift. We have a long time to go before we're going to see what I'm telling you, before America emerges, unless like we talked about yesterday, there'd be some sort of great Nineveh-like uh, turning of the Lord. and yeah. yeah. But there has to be a repentance, right? <laughs> so right, he didn't right. lift his hand off of Nineveh. He, he, they repented from the king all the way down to the, to the cows, man, if you read it in the book of Jonah. <clears throat> so, but this Lazarus is, is that, that church, if you will, that has, has died. Martha, I mean, Mary said in, in John chapter 11, verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Remember? And so what we were talking about yesterday was that this is the case with what has happened between the two competing voices that represent Christianity in our time. There is a remnant like a Martha, Mary, and Lazarus that has experienced the whittling away of their congregations as many people have been seduced into the establishment hyper-charismatic Pentecostal movement across the United States of America, giving rise to major ministries who have constructed their own kingdoms in the name of the Lord and mega churches where people drive in and pack these massive buildings and, you know, they're basically treated to either a rock concert in the, uh, in the name of worship or some sort of theatrical presentation. But for all uh, for our consideration this morning, we also have another church that in the midst of this great growth, we have seen the dwindling away of, of those that held to that relationship with the Lord to the point where it seems that, that, that the gospel has been removed from the people. And that is what we were talking about metaphorically that we see when Mary tells the Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And so she's giving a commentary as it applies to our time uh, that reflects the spiritual condition across the land. And she says, if you had been here, things die when the gospel isn't present. When the Lord is not allowed to be the Lord, things will die. And that is, that is kind of what we've seen happening. While one aspect grows and becomes even more entrenched and powerful, which is what we see in the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, and the Levites. In the time of Jesus in Jerusalem, they were a well-entrenched establishment religion. And we've reviewed this before, but it, 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 it's, good, it, it's good to review it quickly right now. They had become <clears throat> incredibly powerful. They were the center 
of religious uh, activity for the whole nation. They were the elite. Yeah. They, beca- they became a ruling religious class. They, they had structure and great power uh, to disseminate amongst the people their ideology, their philosophy, and to mandate the message. In other words, they controlled what was preached from Dan to Beersheba, from north, south, east, and west across the land of Israel, with Jerusalem being its headquarters. It's very reflective, metaphorically speaking, of the kind of religion that we've seen emerge that goes for Christianity in these last 20 or 30 years. A power elite that rule major uh, major platforms of, of dissemination of a gospel that is no gospel. We see it in the media. We see it in television. We see it on the Internet. We see it on radio. Uh, we hear it on radio. All of it beaming around the world at lightning speed. But basically, these powerful elite that have broken up into several camps of of media distribution, like the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin of old, they have the power to shape, to mold, and to control the message. And when Jesus showed up, the word of the living God shows up, who is the real word. They fought against it, like they do today. They do not want to hear the true word of God. And if you try to bring correction by the Spirit through the word— you're resisted and called a legalist, or, you know, you're just uptight, you know, you're stuck in the old ways. And little by yeah. little, the power, the power of it, the pageantry of it, remember this, what re- even the disciples in, in this final couple of weeks of Jesus's ministry, the first time he came, when Jesus finally leaves the temple and says, you will not see me here again until you cry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. In Matthew 24, they're sitting on the Mount of Olives and all the disciples could ever t- could even talk about Jesus is just a, a a night away, if you will, from his crucifixion. They're they're trying to get the Lord to be impressed with just how beautiful and spectacular the buildings look uh, uh, at the temple in Jerusalem. They marveled at all the buildings. They marveled at the architecture. They marveled at the majesty uh, and the pageantry of it all, controlled by a ruling elite. Well, it is that seductive power. Of, of 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 the elite's uh, display because they they <clears throat> it is seductive to the masses. See, it's it's one thing to question the message, the discerning and the spirit do. It's another thing to understand uh, to 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 separate the message from the pageantry. But because they combine the two, they have this marvelous. You know, bright lights, big display, flashing lights, you know, beautiful people prancing across the stage, the backdrop of, of thousands of people that pack their their ministries. It becomes a seductive thing, even to those who love the Lord. And this is what we began to see was a systematic chipping away at the orthodoxy of the simplicity of serving God simply by seeking him by praying in the spirit, by reading the word, by gathering together in humility and and in true worship before the Lord and hearing the word of God preached amongst the congregations. But into that came over the last 20, 30, 40 years, this monolith, this massive death star, if you will, (laughs) for you Star Wars fans. I mean, it just kind kind of like came floating in into a generation of this end time. And it has settled almost like the spirit of Babylon, in the United States of America, which purports itself to be the greatest nation of Judeo-Christian values the world has ever seen. And at one time, it might have been, right? It might have been. I mean, we sent forth some of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. We have we have given in, in our churches in the early days uh, to help the poor all over the world. But out of this <clears throat> this prosperity that emerged out of the Second World War into the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, a whole new thing began to happen and 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 began to emerge. It's almost really insidiously, uh, if you can have eyes to see this, it is it is as if it is as if the devil recognized the time and he saw the convergence of the technology that was beginning to emerge. And and like a serpent in the tree, if you will, or a serpent in the grass, he slithered his way into our seminaries, amongst our preachers, amongst our growing churches, and subtly but surely began to mold and shape and tempt the the the, the powerful religious class of that time and, and merged them precisely at the time 
when when satellite technology began to break out, multiple channels across the uh, broadcast networks began to take a, a break out, and suddenly the gospel was now being allowed to be preached all over the world in a very slick and 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 excellent, so to speak, as it pertains to technical distribution of information, a very slick presentation, and so the the masses for the first time began to hear the gospel mixed with the message of the Holy Spirit. And what began to happen was the crowds began to grow, the arenas began to be filled, the Pentecostal and charismatic churches began to emerge in a great and powerful uh, coming together of a new religious ruling elite. <clears throat> now, they began to break off into different camps. And they began to war against each other because what began to happen was the message began to change. It was no longer the message of you need to repent, you need to change your life, you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins, you need to be full of the Spirit, and then you need to learn the Word, and then you need to go to church, and then you need to be a good father, a good mother, a good child. I mean, it, there was no longer that kind of a gospel message, and you need to be looking for the second coming of the Lord. What began to yeah. happen through the ministries of people like Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin and that whole subclass of, of, of underlings that they raised up like Copeland and Seville, Seville Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Copeland, uh, even that knucklehead down in Louisiana, I forget his name, Duplantis. Now we see the new generation yeah. flushing out like the Creflo Dollars and the like. All of these guys, the Joyce Myers uh, of, uh, and, 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 the, and the false prophets like the Kansas City prophets in the and and the guy over there who has the IHOP thing, you know, I thought it was a place where you get where you get uh, <laughs> you get pancakes, but I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got that guy over in Kansas City, you got those knuckleheads up in Toronto, right? The Toronto Blessing, where they're rolling around on the floors and barking like dogs and calling that a revival. Then you had revival breakout in uh, in Florida, where that that tattooed uh, crazy guy who was on his third marriage and left his wife and children for some lady and began to be prophesying over there and they broadcast that all over the world in the early 2000s over there in the what was it lakeland florida and then you had the brownsville you had the brownsville revival as well they began to like you know do their thing and then they they fell into corruption and gospel and the doctrinal distortion and so all of this began to converge at the same time and from it emerged a transitional generation the children of those who came through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the early 2000s, are now the ones molding and shaping the message, and they are controlling it like the religious elite during the time of Jesus and Lazarus. And so we're showing the parallels between the two and the fact that they're taking place at the same time. And that brings us <clears throat> to the incident of Lazarus, because when the Lord uh, told him to, to, to come out of the grave, they rolled away the stone, he came out of the grave, it was to set in motion a series of events that would ultimately lead to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But what happened out of it was the reaction was very much a metaphor, if you will, or a parallel or a foreshadow of what the scripture foretells will be happening in our time. And the thesis of what we've been talking about for the last uh, three or four podcasts is this. This sickness that came upon Lazarus is a metaphor, prophetically speaking, for our time because it occurred precisely in the same season as the Passover back then. Subsequently, we, are we ourselves are alerted to this kind of metaphoric prophetic interpretation in the fact that the entire world now is under a sickness, a virus, a pandemic, and many are losing their lives. But our focus right. is drawn. Right. Our focus is drawn in that in that sense toward the church, because we're asking the question, is this a prophetic time? And if it is, uh, are we going to emerge out of it? And if we are, what is going what are what is it that we are to look to? Are we going to give way out of this pandemic to just another? OK, business back to usual. Or is it possible that what we are witnessing right now? is the trigger point event that will usher us into the beginning of the tribulation period. And what I want to submit to you, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but everything that I know, everything that I have studied and God has taught me over the last multiple years is bringing me to this conclusion. 
that it's quite possible that what we are witnessing is the is that the the switch has been turned on and again we're going to see an acceleration of the prophetic events foretold by the holy prophets of old and in the book of revelation all throughout the letters in the new testament of that coming tribulation period the rise of that wicked one and and it will end and culminate with the second coming of the lord that is where i believe we are now i'm not setting dates i'm not saying on such and such date he's going to return but we can by the scriptures and if we apply the lens of the guidance of the spirit which the bible tells us the testimony of jesus as we repeat over and over is the spirit of prophecy so if we if we apply this lens to this time and if our thesis is correct like i said then we then we are quite possibly beginning to see the beginning of the tribulation period and so as we as we focus quickly now we have we come to the place where lazarus has has risen from the dead and we're going to see the reaction of the Pharisees and the chief priests is precisely the same reaction that the book of Revelation uh, predicts will happen in the end times. What do you mean? The, the Pharisees and the chief priests and the establishment of that day represented uh, a true historical narrative, but also, as we said, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. They represented in the true historical narrative that did transpire a foreshadow of the greater events that will happen in these last days. And the trigger of it was a sickness that led to death that is seen in the Lazarus story. Now, when Lazarus comes out the other end of this thing, he comes out. Uh, brought forth from a position of deadness. And what we've been saying is those remnant churches out there, those people have been forced out of the mega church because they do not see Jesus there. For many years now, they've been hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, almost to the point where many pastors have given up, where many little churches barely even can draw a crowd of 15, 20 on Sunday morning, or where others have just simply thrown up their hands in despair and said, it's over Let's just meet at home. But God is sending good news to you because Jesus is coming. And if there's any semblance of belief in him that yet resides in you, even in those that have given up and for all intents and purposes, which I say way too much, uh, for all intents and purposes, that, that belief that was in Lazarus is, is a foreshadow, even though it may look dead, the belief that you once had is strong enough that when you hear a voice, and it's not just going to be any voice, it is the voice of the Lord calling you through this thing we're experiencing right now. It's going to be like water on a seed buried deep in the ground. It's going to suddenly begin to sprout, and it's going to begin to come back to life. The, the loud voice is to shake those who once had, had been on fire for God but literally had given up through despair and despondency at what they've seen take place in that which purports to be the, the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America. And so in the Lazarus story, we believe what we are seeing is that a church is going to emerge full and called forth from uh, the grave, if you will, into a new expression filled with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But what's going to happen out of this is what where we are right now. So what we want to look at is if we're living in the fulfillment of what happened in the beginning, now beginning to transpire in the end, and if what we're going through is indeed a prophetic time, then what is coming out of this, I believe, can be seen and is has been hidden for all these years because I've never heard this kind of stuff, really, um, yeah. <laughs> except, you know, but there's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure others have seen this and are seeing this right now, but, but, but we can learn and glean from what happened with the establishment once Lazarus rose from the dead. What we pointed out yesterday was after Lazarus rise from the dead in verse 45, it says, many of the Jews which had come to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, and they believed on him. And what we talked about that yesterday was that represents that that group, if you will, of people that have come up into a pseudo-Christianity under the tutelage of the establishment religion of our time. That is who they metaphorically are to us, prophetically speaking. A demonstration of the real Jesus is going to be seen in this thing in, 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 in and amongst the people. 
and and the and there will be a a part of that mega church ministry, so to speak, that will lose uh, congregants over this. But some of those congregants are going to attach themselves. I've heard, you know, you guys have told me stories since we've begun this podcast, for example, uh, 12 days ago, that some people even said, you know, I used to be in this church, but now I've been listening to you guys teach what you're teaching, and I want to know where's your church, right? It's a tiny yeah. picture it's a tiny picture of a larger truth of what's going to happen. I think it's a confirmation by the Spirit. But when they begin to hear the real Jesus and a return to the real gospel, it will cause them to to leave establishment religion. And that's what we see in verse 45. The Jews, which came to Mary and they saw the things that Jesus did, they believed on Jesus. But look at this. Here's where the separation takes place. And this is what I'm saying and putting forth by the Spirit and what we're saying is that when we come out of this, the world is going to be completely different. And and it's working to split. It's splitting and dividing the sheep from the goats. But but when the mega church and the establishment comes out of this, rather than repenting, which they continue to refuse to do, or even acknowledge that what has come down upon this world and and and, and specifically this nation What has come down upon this nation is a direct result of their failure and their false gospel that produced children that lived compromised, idolatrous lives, and hence the culture which we should be be being a light to became even darker, and the church itself became filled with the idolatry of the world. And over time, several decades now, in essence, it's been calling judgment down upon the nation. And rather than than repenting because the doors of their ministries are shut, they will get harder. We will come out of this. And you mark my words, they're going to have these big celebrations. They're going to have these big, see, we prayed it out. You know, we're we're this, we're that, we're the other. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to coalesce to try to garner all their power and, and put out the light that will spring forward. Now, listen. So what they do is some of them go their ways to the Pharisees and they tell them what Jesus had done. In other words, there's something happening over here. And what's the what's interesting and what we learn from this is that while Jesus is over here resurrecting something that he loves, right? Because <laughs> he, he shows where he goes to and says, no, the time has come now where this glorious church, this church that will come out of that place of, of non-existence, I'm going to go to it and with a loud voice call it to come forth. It's going to become what the scriptures has prophesied would be that glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. It's going to be the true church. But but this is happening unbeknownst to the establishment, right? Because what we see in verse 46 is the ones who didn't want to even then repent and, and become believers in Jesus they left and they go back to headquarters in Jerusalem and they begin to reveal to them, hey, something's been going on out here and this is what it is. So it's going to trouble the establishment. And what do they do? Rather than going, my God, he raised somebody from the dead. He must be the Messiah or God must be speaking. In verse 47, instead, it says, they gather the chief priests and the Pharisees and they take a council and they say, what do we do? For this man doth many miracles. To put it in modern language and how we would translate that, in essence, what they're saying is, uh-oh, what do we do now? We can't deny that there's a move of God taking place. But rather than entering into it, repenting and becoming part of it, and admitting that they have done a, a, a great disservice to the nation and the world by the behavior that they've exhibited over the last 20, 30 years, and rather than doing that, they seek to control it. They seek to analyze it. They go to their computers and enter it into all their algorithms. What do we do? Because we can't deny it. So what do we do? And the very thing or the act of asking that begins to produce within them a void and an emptiness and and a, and a, and, a, and, a, and in essence, a full and complete rejection of Jesus. This was their last opportunity. This demonstration of bringing Lazarus from the dead, so to speak, 
bringing him away from this pandemic or this sickness and calling him back to life, this was their last opportunity to submit to the Lord, to admit they've been wrong, and to repent, but they don't. And because of that, because they reject such light, there is nothing left for them but to go on and to become a desolate, empty house that will be filled with the spirit of Antichrist. Verse 48 says, if we leave him alone, everybody's going to believe on him. In other words, our ministry will diminish. And then this is what we pointed out yesterday in verse 48. It's the first time the Holy Spirit has John in this whole message. He now mentions the global government. He mentions Rome. If you can see it, the two are connected. Rome is mentioned precisely because rather than repenting, they seek to destroy And as a result, their attention turns to what they would later say when they brought Jesus to trial at Pilate's, uh, at the governor's house where Pilate was. They said, we have no king but Caesar, see. And and so the Roman government, which which is representative of, of the global government, emerges out of this. And that's what we're putting forth is that we believe when we come out the other end of this, what we're going to see is that whole establishment corrupt itself even more fully. But And also on the other side of that, we're going to see emerging out of this the erasing, if you will, of nation-state lines all over the planet, because that is what the, the prophets have told us would happen. Something would trigger an event that would cause the entire world to want to be and come under a global system, and, and I believe it's quite possible that this pandemic could be that very event. Because the entire world is locked down in their houses in absolute fear and fright. And because they don't know the Lord and because they can't look to the churches or the establishment churches because they have no answers, what they're going to begin to do is look to these leaders who are controlled by satanic power and say, help us do something. The greatest scam the world has ever seen, the behind the scene levers that are being pulled right and left, are occurring right now. The media, which is a tool of satanic propaganda, is placing before the eyes of the people fear, 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 death, fear. And at the same time, behind the scenes, while they are ensnaring the people with this opiate of the masses as it pertains to the media and its truth that it's putting forth concerning the pandemic, it's cultivating fear. But behind the scenes, trust me, I've been reading articles, as you brothers have, where it is saying that the, I think Brother Jeremy sent me one yesterday, or Brother Fernando, where it said that the CDC has already begun to track every single person in America who has an iPhone to see how the population is moving. Well, this is taking place all over the world, right? So even behind the scenes where our attention is focused on the latest person that passed away and the figures and the rapid rise and all this stuff, uh, that's where our attention is right now. Check this out, Brother Marty. Uh, The same technology that was used uh, after 9-11 to track terrorists is now being used. And I want want the people to see how this has been evolving, okay, and where we're headed to. It's now being used to track people to see if they're self-quarantined, right? If they're remaining in their houses and if they're abiding yes. by the rules to yes. to, uh, to, to uh, control the virus. That's what they say. They really want to control us if you have eyes yes. and feet. Right? Yes. So it's, it's, it's going somewhere, right? The technology. And that's what we're saying is that the greatest delusion – and didn't the scripture even tell us that God told us? He said, because they chose not to believe the truth, God will send them a, a strong delusion that yeah. they might believe a lie. And, and what I, I want to go this, back to go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and no, no, if ahead. this if this pandemic is, it could very well be that strong delusion. What are you saying? Are you saying it's not real? No, it's very real. The delusion is, and the believing of the lie is, is that they have our interest at at heart. When in fact, what could possibly be being taken place, and is, if you have eyes to see behind the scenes, is is that all the pieces of the chessboard are in motion. 
and the globalists and, and all the, you know, the conspiracy theories you've heard for years, they're all converging, brothers, whether it be economic, whether it be educational, whether it be military, whether it be AI technology tracking systems, all of that is being employed while we stare at our television screens. And it's coming, as you're saying. Go ahead and finish your thought. No, I, I was what stood out to me was um, John eleven forty seven because this is what this is the next effect, right? The Lazarus effect. This is where we're headed yes. after all of this, right? We're in, headed towards Passover. Um, you know, the, the plague is, is still taking place, uh, and and it says this in eleven forty seven. Then gathered the chief priests. Okay. Why? What yeah. would cause the the religious leaders um, after this pandemic passes? And it will, right? And and it, it will. It will pass, but we won't learn from it. I think. Uh, but what will cause them? <laughs> what would cause them to gather together? Right. The Bible mm-hmm. says that many many begin to believe in Jesus, and they stop following the religious leadership of that day. Which means yes. what? What does it translate to today in our day? Money, right? Yes. If yes. The, the, if people stop supporting these these ministries, they're going mm. to lose money. They're already losing money, right? Yes, they in are. This pandemic because the churches are shut. Yes. So what's going to happen after this? Well, I think I think what's going to begin to happen is you're going to see this false church go more and more into the world. I line up more and more with political power. And basically, they don't want something like this to happen again. They don't want their churches mm. to close. So they're going to line up with political powers, basically say, hey, look, we can't ha- let this happen to our churches anymore. We're going to need uh, some kind of support, right, some kind of financial yes. support, some kind of bailout, of yes. course, if it happens, right? Well, yes. if that happens, then you're going to have to compromise your message even more because now yes. you're walking hand-in-hand hand with Rome, with Caesar, Right. Yes. And what's yes. going to happen is that it could very well be that we're going to begin to see after this uh, state-ran churches. Right. I believe the states that. Already but... running every... The states are already yeah, they running are. everything. They're running the schools. Well, okay, wait. Stop right there. Care. Stop right there and think about what you just said, because people say, "Oh, that could never happen." It's already happening. What do you mean? Right. You know as well as I do that the uh, the ultra right conservative quote unquote conservative evangelical right is 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 all up in the White House so to speak walking up the and down in the in the halls of power there and and if the talking points come down from the administration it's handed out to the religious leaders and that's what they're telling the people is like oh you know we got to do this and we got to do that you know all under the guise of of being shepherds but the truth of the matter is they're already being controlled by the state. Go ahead, brother. No, and the question, the question that arose was, what do we do with Jesus? <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's the question, really. If they line up with, with, with the states and, and, and political powers, they say, okay, you want support from us. You want financial help for, that something like this won't happen again in effective ministries. You don't have to change your message. What are you going to do with this Jesus? Mm-hmm. And that's the discussion yes. they're going to have to have, and and, and they have already been uh, leaving Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like what what, what who, it's who an was easy it? transition. Mary, she said, "Yeah, Martha yeah. and Mary." One of them said, as you quoted in the scripture, says that if you were here, oh, he died. Lazarus died because you weren't here, right? Yeah. So we we have seen, uh, uh, even as we speak right now that Jesus is not even being preached in our churches no more. No, man. Right? So it's going to yes. be it's going to be a complete removal of Jesus in everything that they do. Yeah, powerful. that's excellent. It's a, it's a it's a powerful point you brought out, brother Fernando. The question is what caused these leaders, these priests and Pharisees to come together? To go into even into what we're saying, it's a spirit that came over them. It's a spirit right. that, and I like the way Jude puts it, and I think this can answer some of that question. What Jude said in verse um, 11, look what he says. He says, woe unto them, for they have gone 
in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. What is the spirit of Cain? The spirit of Cain is a murderous spirit, a, mur a murderous spirit that came upon them that possessed these priests to now go and try to kill Jesus. A spirit of greed, of error, and we have the story of Balaam. And then they, but they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So what I'm seeing here is that something took over, over their lives. A spirit, a murderous, a king spirit. A, 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 you know, they ran greedily after the error of Balaam and perished in the gainsaying of, of Korah. So the fact now that they are appealing to Rome or to the Romans, this is not by coincidence. This is the Holy Spirit reminding us and telling us, go back to the book of Daniel and see what is the last empire that we see. Remember the, the image of that. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, Brother Marty, but just to make a quick point is when you see that, uh, that uh, idol, right, the brass, the head, at the end you the see the feet, an image. And the, the, an image, and at the end you see the feet, which is a mixture of clay and iron which represents a Roman Empire that will arise in this hour. Well, yeah, and, and it, it's already, it's already, it never went away. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. It says, Then all the world wondered after the beast whose deadly wound was healed. Right? He was wounded by the sword, but his deadly wound was healed. And, and let's look at that really quick, and we'll close with this because, and I want to, you you have no idea, I don't think, what you just said out of the book of Jude, and it's because what because you didn't spend enough time telling us about it, but but that's precisely, brother Jeremy, which is an excellent point you brought up. That is precisely the spirit that was unleashed the moment they sought to reject Jesus to to its full. And what it set emotion in the spirit of Cain, the spirit of Balaam, the spirit of Korah. Each and every one of them is the progression. You pointed out correctly how Cain turned and killed his brother, right? In the field. The field is the world, Jesus said. His brother, uh, Abel, was what? A shepherd, right? So that's exactly who the Lord Jesus is, right? He's the great shepherd. So the spirit of Cain was unleashed. But take it further, because remember, Cain was the one who received a mark, right? Are you right, there? Right, right, right. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> right? And then That's he turns... Uh, yeah, so we, we don't have time to get into all that, but, but it transitions into the spirit of Balaam, right, which is which is what we've been seeing function in the church. What, what did Balaam do? He taught Balak how to cast stumbling blocks before the church. He he corrupted them. He couldn't curse them, but so what he did was he taught the the wicked king a type of the devil how do i get at these people he says hey send all these women over there man and send your idols over wow. there and all this stuff and you'll corrupt it that's what we've seen happening and then it gives way to ultimately the sin of korah right which is what korah withstood moses to his face so it's a question of leadership and validity before the people and that is the same three things which you so beautifully pointed out by the spirit that happened the moment they said, what do we do? Because everybody's going to believe on him now, and they're going to come. The Romans will come, and they'll take away our place in our nation. See, uh, But we can talk about that in the coming days because that is where we're headed, and I was really blessed to hear you say that. But look what it – because you talk about Rome, and we'll just close with it. But that's the first thing they mentioned, right? They're like, <laughs> man, the Romans are going to come. It's so interesting that, that as soon as they make that decision or they're having that counsel – of how are we going to get rid of this? How are we going to finally and forever put away this Jesus? Uh, the first thing that the, the Spirit begins to do is turn their heart away from the Torah or the Word of God, and their 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 hearts and their minds assent to Rome, which is a foreshadow of that Rome that you're talking about or that Roman global power you're talking about that is manifest now on the earth. So it says in the book of Revelation, it says that, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, it says uh, in verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And 
all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, who's like the beast, who is able to make war with him. So we see that, that what the book of Revelation is speaking of is that a, this this system, which is Rome, because as you correctly pointed out, and what we mean by Rome, ladies and gentlemen, is the Roman Empire, the actual dominating spirit of Rome. We're not talking about the Rome of, of Catholicism. We're talking about the Roman Empire, the global empire. Because Daniel had a vision, or Nebuchadnezzar had a vision that Daniel interpreted that predicted that there would be an ultimate rising of the Roman Empire in the final days. But notice what, what John has revealed to him uh, from the Lord Jesus through the angel. He says, one of his heads were wounded to death, but his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wonders after the beast. This this wounding of of, of the beast occurred after the persecution of the early church. See, the reason that the Roman Empire declined, although it never went away, it simply morphed into all the systems of the world, whether it be educational, judicial, spiritual. The Roman Empire, that's where we're at. The Roman Empire gave way to a pontificus maximus, right? In the third century, Mm -hmm. uh, Rome ceased and desist and became the universal church. So we saw a merging of both the political, uh, the military, and religion back in the 3rd century when Constantine uh, abdicated his throne, translated the the capital city of of the Roman Empire into two different places, which is what Nebuchadnezzar saw with the two two legs of iron, right? The, the, The kingdom of Rome split. It became east and west. Constantine made Constantinople in Turkey his capital as well as Rome. And from that point on, it began to dissipate and just kind of melted away. It was wounded by the sword, and the sword is the word, and it was the gospel that brought down Rome. But it never truly went away. And so when it reemerges, and it is going to reemerge and is already reemerging in this time, remember Rome had one leader, right? Caesar. The early Christians were killed in in the arenas of Rome because they refused to worship Caesar, pray to his image, or or receive what they called a mark, uh, which is a a notation saying that they could go ahead and worship anything they wanted to worship as long as they worship Caesar. And when they didn't do it, they were were slaughtered. They were martyred. Well, that was a, a true historical thing that happened then, which will play itself out on a global scale not too many days ahead and i don't mean to discourage the people that's powerful because uh my son was actually speaking to me about it and, and if you just give him 30 seconds jeremiah would you share what you shared with me yesterday about what brother marty's talking about uh, it, it's absolutely true what he's saying about constantine and, and the church of rome at that time um because the church sought to align itself with political powers and, and Constantine gives the story of how he he had a vision of a cross during the war that he was taking place in. And he believed that he was supposed to bring some sort of revival to the church. And we see the church aligned itself with that. And as, as he pointed out, the, the Roman Empire never really went away. It really just morphed itself into a religious system because we see the same thing playing out even in the Church of England back in the 1400s. Yeah when they went against the Puritans and they were persecuting the real Christians because they couldn't align themselves with the religious and political system of that day. So it's very true, very true what you're pointing out, Brother Marty. And this is why the world, what's going to emerge, and and, 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 and there's hints in here in Revelation 13.3. Why do they marvel? It could very well be that this Caesar-like figure, right, this, this Constantine-like figure, this one that comes riding on a white horse, he he shows up. He's he's put at the head of this political power. It could very well be in some of his speeches he'll he'll begin to mention Rome, right? He'll begin to mention the beast, and they're going to wonder, oh my gosh, you know, his deadly wound is healed. It's back. We have a global system again. That is what happens. Now understand the fact that the Pharisees, back in the story that we were talking about, they mention Rome. It is a foreshadow of the of the Book of Revelation, chapter thirteen. Because remember, power isn't given. Uh, or 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 the whole complete uh, thing of the prophetic picture isn't finally realized until first Rome is in power, 
and there's a political system in power. Then comes Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, when, when the spiritual aspect of it is finally merged into that global political and military power. And, and that's what we see in Revelation 13, 11, where it says that he saw another beast rising up out of the earth, having two horns like a lamb. So it has the vestiges of Christianity in it, but it's completely and totally controlled by the power of Satan, which is the same thing we see happen coming out of that Lazarus event where he was raised from the dead. It triggered something. It triggered something. And it began to unleash something that would ultimately lead to the destruction of the Lord on Calvary. Of course, we know that was all in God's plan because on the third day he rose again. So when we pick this up again tomorrow, we'll begin there. And we'll begin to really dig into the scriptures and begin to unlock what we believe is going to happen coming out of this pandemic. What is already happening, actually, but it's going to manifest itself in the in the subsequent uh, unfolding years. We're not too far from the coming of the Lord. There is yet a little bit to be fulfilled in the scriptures. But suffice it to say, with all these things and so many other things happening and what we're witnessing, we need to, as the Lord said, lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing not. Repent Hallelujah. for the yes. kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Fernando, do you want to say anything before we close out, Brother Fernando? No, uh, just left us with suspense, right? Now you can go ahead and close it out. I'm excited for uh, tomorrow's Lord, uh, podcast, Lord willing. So. Well, as you can see to our listeners where our podcasts are going to be heading in the next few days, and this is going to get very exciting in terms of prophecy, in terms of what the Lord is going to be showing us. And, and I'm excited, too. Uh, you, you, I think we, we know how where the Holy Spirit is taking us now. And uh, so we pray that you've been blessed. We pray that you have a blessed Sunday today and that um, you are blessed by this podcast and, and continue to tune in. We're coming to you right now, as of right now, every single day. We're coming to you uh, and speaking to you what we believe the Lord is saying in this hour. Continue to share it with others. Tell others people that God has placed in your heart to share this podcast with, and I know it, it will be a blessing to all of them. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in, and Lord willing, we'll see you back again tomorrow. God bless you. Keep looking up. <laughs>